Dipsomaniac. Welcome back. It's the Dipsomaniac Podcast, episode 99. I'm Uncle Jake. I am Tiny Fish. And we would like to welcome actor, comedian, producer, and host of the podcast, Crazy Funny Asians, Eric. Esteban. What's up, y'all? Thank Welcome. you so much for having me. I appreciate you having me. I love, I'm, I'm so happy to meet y'all and smoke with y'all and drink beer with y'all and just talk shit. I'm looking forward to this hour of Dipsomaniac, for sure. <laughs> hey, what are you drinking over there, brother? I got the homies um, from Brewyard Brewery hooked it up and got me some cat's pajamas. 9% alcohol by volume. Ooh. Dark delicious nutty it's a award-winning beer also what's wonderful about it's filipino owned brewery sherwin and kirk over there i do my live shows there all the time and so when you said we should try some beer i said we should showcase my homies beer so here you go yeah. brewyard brewery in glendale they serving right now they even open you can pick it up and do all that but yeah there you go but it's delicious Sounds like I'm gonna be fun. drunk after all of this shit because nine percent alcohol by volume. I'm gonna be fucked up. I hope we can make it through the hour. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's try and do that shit. <laughs> yeah, we're drinking over here the hometown brewery Hamilton's five a colada, a little pina colada beer. It's a hazy mm. IPA. Pretty young. So tell us a little bit about the live shows you were doing before this quarantine. Well. We were at, at Briar Brewery in Glendale. We did this show called Miscellaneous Brown Karaoke Comedy Spectacle, and that was. All the best stand-up comics in L.A. would come and they would do their set and then they would sing a karaoke song or vice versa. They'd sing a karaoke song and do their set. But it was stand-up comedy and karaoke. And it was it worked really, really well. We had we had a lot of really fun shows and a lot of packed houses, you know, and, and, and we were gaining momentum. But just like everything else, yeah. the pandemic hit and, you know, we had to stop. But, I, you know, we'll pick it back up once everything gets back to normal or whatever normal is after this you know but we'll figure it out hey that's dope that sounds like two things filipinos love comedy and Bro. karaoke <laughs> see look i saw that show uh goddamn comedy jam on uh comedy central and i was like wait these guys are doing stand-up comedy and karaoke and they ain't got no asians on this show in fact, they ain't got no Filipinos on this show. How the hell you got a karaoke show with no Filipinos? <laughs> yeah, that's on? real shit. You know, I mean, that's real. Or even just an Asian. I mean, the, the fucking word is Japanese karaoke, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like the fact that you would have all white comedians on a show like that kind of yeah. insulting to me because you're like cultural appropriation, which is whatever. But, you know, so I figured to myself, why not host a show, put my nickname on it, and book the comics that I like. Yeah. And it worked. it's worked out. We've been doing it for about a year. And it's really, like, it's helped me find my niche. You know what I'm saying? Like, because there's a lot of comics who can be funny, but there's not a lot of comics who can be funny and also sing and, you know, captivate an audience by with the karaoke mic. And it's it's a weird, like, hybrid performance thing that I I've never seen anywhere else. And even, like, when other comics do it, it's... They, they even come up to me like, this is such a weird, cool combination of thing that I've never thought of. And now I like, I want to do it again. And it's, it's just been, it's like I said, it's been a really fun journey. Hey, hey, you want to meet my kids? Yeah. Come here. Before you guys come in here and ask me what I'm doing. I want to <laughs> so this oh, is Marley. Hi. Hey, girl. Say hi. Say hi. 
What's and that's Malia. This is my oldest, Malia. Hi. Yeah. This, so they they um they're they're the reason why I do everything. So I, you know it's they're Father's cute. Day, so you might yeah. as well. <laughs> so do all the comedians that you have on the showcase? Can they sing or are, like some of them like no no no? That's part of the comedy. That's the, that's the best part. Right? Because karaoke is about it. Don't matter if you can sing good or you can sing. Or you sing shitty, right? Yeah. It's just about singing your heart out and enjoying yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So imagine that amplified by the fact that a comic loves to be on stage anyway. And then it just like what ends up happening usually is like if they sing afterwards, their set will continue and they'll pull stuff from their set and comment on the song that they're singing. So it's almost like a continuous set, but then they happen to be singing at the end of it. It's really, it really ends up being a really cool thing. And then, and I, I remember one comic told me they're like, Bro, I, I wrote two more jokes from the thing <laughs> when I was singing. <laughs> and I'm like, that's great, man. Yeah, I love it. Go with it. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds so much fun to see. I can't wait till that starts back up. I really think that, like, I've tried to find a way to differentiate myself from all the other comics, even the other Filipino-American comics. I just kind of want to make myself as unique as possible. So that was kind of th- I'm hoping to be able to tour the show like I'm from, I grew up in Chicago, so I'd love to bring that show back to Chicago and then even do New York because I know they like that cabaret shit in New York. So I'd love to, I'd love to do that shit in New York, and I'd love to, I'd love to do it everywhere. But you know, not until the, the pandemic is done. I ain't yeah. trying to go anywhere. No, but but soon, you know, hopefully soon, you know, yeah. we'll see. If not, we could just do shows like this, I guess. That's what everyone's been trying to do. That's like what TV I'm saying. Is no, now. I, I, first, man, I gotta thank you guys for for reaching out because I just appreciate because I couldn't. I stopped doing my podcast. Yeah. Because I, it was so hard. Because we were talking before the thing started about how it's hard to just be able to relate to people and not be face to face and actually talking, especially if you're used to that in the interview format when yeah. you're doing podcasts. It's so hard, and I appreciate you guys reaching out because. I had stopped, man. I, I kept stip, sitting in front of the mic and being like, the fuck do I talk about besides this goddamn pandemic? You know, like, oh, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to just bitch about the pandemic and bitch about my quarantine experience because I'm sure there's a hundred other people who got a much worse experience than me. So why would I be bit? I wouldn't want to use my platform to bitch. I'd rather figure out something to talk about. And so I, I am going to bring Crazy Funny Asians back this week on Monday. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to bring our new episode back this week. Uh, a lot of the stuff that's happening where I came up in Chicago with the Chicago improv comedy community, the second city, which is the world famous, yeah. you know, improv, um, they just fired their whole board and all the art and the artistic director just replaced the whole thing. Jeez. Improv Olympic, the place where I came up when like back in the nineties, they just announced that they're going to close. Oh, and wow. in both cases, Part of the reason why they were doing what they're doing and the upheaval was because all of the you know, people of color who used to go there, myself included, were, you know, as this racial revolution is happening, everybody's like, yo, you know, and so we're kind of trying to get our back pay kind of thing, you know, yeah. our kind of like, you know, kind of get our acknowledgement of all the bullshit that we had to go through as a person of color coming up in a majority white comedy environment. Mm-hmm. And oh. so a lot of homies in Chicago were like, hey, Eric, you're starting to get bigger in comedy and your podcast and you're doing all this stuff. You got to what, what's your story? You got to tell it. So that's kind of the next episode is I'm going to, you know, I figured out what I wanted to talk about is that is because I, I straight up be like started Improv Olympic in 1997 
and the dude that everybody like is the godfather of comedy del close that was my teacher oh, right sorry. and yeah. and then in second city i didn't even have to audition i straight up went through the whole thing i went to the conservatory audition after i was done with improv olympic and dude pulled me aside and was like come to the come to our um bizco meeting on wednesday and you're gonna be in a show next week and i'm like okay cool <laughs> and we're gonna pay you and i'm like oh, oh really <laughs> cool and, and i was like and I, I i skipped the whole teaching thing so my experience was different than a lot of other people of color only in that i was very lucky because people noticed my my talent right from from jump and they acknowledged it and and, and cast me and stuff which was really great but then when I got here with that experience that I had in Chicago at the Groundlings, totally different story. Totally different. Totally different story. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the, I, I wouldn't call it racist because it's not a racist, really. It re you really can't call it that. It's just more clicky. Yeah. Like, how they, okay. they got their shit, shit that they yeah. want. And, LA shit. LA and, shit. And that's yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And and your shit ain't funny because your shit makes me feel uncomfortable. Yep. Because I'm a white person, and when you talk to me about my history and stuff that I've done and my ancestors have done, you make me feel uncomfortable. So I don't like that type of comedy. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, cool. Well, now I'm gonna go where I can talk about that shit. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like, what made you get into all this acting and comedy and everything else? I'll tell you. Um, I was nine years old. And everybody, every comic, especially a comics of my age and my age, like people are like 35 to 45 right now, like, like Joe and Rex and yeah. even all, 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 all the greats and even all the black comics will all tell you that the moment they decided they wanted to be a comedian was when they saw Eddie Murphy Delirious. And that's real for me. Like I saw Eddie Murphy Delirious and I saw that red leather suit and <laughs> I, I my dad and I sat and we watched it and my dad was like, oh shit, this guy swears too much. <laughs> and so we were only able to watch it once. And But then I went and I woke up in the middle of the night and I watched it again and I recorded it on my boombox, on my, you know, on a, yeah, on a yeah, cassette yeah. tape. And I put it in my Walkman and I listened to it every day from school, fourth, fourth and fifth grade. I listened to it in my, in my Walkman when I walked to school. And straight up to this day, if you wanted me to, I could, from memory, the whole fucking thing if you wanted oh, that's cool. just because because yeah. yeah no eddie murphy was eddie murphy's the dude that like even when like i had a, i had a, a a quick conversation with rex and i've read everything i'm not trying to brag it's just weird because he reached out to me because we were the only comics that were speaking on black lives matter since we speak on current events and he reached out to me just to um say that he saw what i was doing and he was proud of what i was doing which which meant the world to me because he's one of my mentors that's what it's about, you know, like Eddie used the characters and the, and the stories to tell his story in a roundabout way, in like in such a brilliant way, the same way Chappelle does, the same way Rex does, you know, it, those funny stories are not meant for just to make you laugh. They're also supposed to make you think. Yeah. And, absolutely. and, and that for me is my goal with all my comedies. Like I'm not, yes, of course I can, Talk about my dick and make you laugh if you want. That's fine. No, okay, la la la. But I'd rather that shit stick with you. And you're like, oh yeah, damn. You're that dude that told me the Ewoks are in Return of the Jedi and it blew my mind. Oh <laughs> shit. You know, like I'd rather that, I, I'd rather my jokes penetrate your brain in a way where it's like, it really makes you think about, because that's what comedy's for, right? It's our, our commentary on life, our commentary on existence. It's how, it's how we cope with our existences through comedy and through laughter. And if we can't, 
like actually say something and have a positive message and what the fuck are we doing you know what i mean yeah for sure like i could totally relate with everything you say too like during the stand-up comedy things that i saw of yours i was like fuck, oh man like, thank you it's relevant to me and shit because of you know filipino looking through your eyes and shit you're like oh that's exactly what goes down in my family well and and and, and the thing is like like i get a lot of like in the filipino comments or even in the in the, just in the comments like people like Oh, you're just doing what Rex was doing. I'm like, no, I'm doing my perspective. But Rex gave me permission to use this Filipino character. Cause I even said to him, I was like, before you, nobody was, nobody was doing, you know, Mary Tess or doing any kind of like Filipino accent on stage. I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't something that was entertainment, you know, yeah. and he showed us the way. And then Joe went a next level and he did it and he's doing what he's doing and, and all the other cats that's doing what they're doing and I'm gonna do what I do. I, I, I for me, I, I started it, I majored in political science, oh, you know, wow. in college. And, and I've always, I, I grew up in a very, we'll say it like this, the Northwest side of Chicago is not a very accepting place for Filipinos <laughs> growing up in the eighties and the, you know, in the nineties, it was, you know, it was very, I might as well have been black because it, I was the only colored face in the neighborhood. So it just, it, it was a different experience for me. So I, I kind of grew up more, I mean, hip hop raised me and, you know, and, and growing up with my Puerto Rican friends and my black friends. And, and, and it, it just, there weren't many Filipinos in my neighborhood. And the ones that were, we were, we were both the same. We just gravitate to the same. We'd hang out with the, the black friends and the Puerto Rican friends just because the white friends who didn't really want to fuck with us. You know, my wife is white. My kids are half white. So it's not like I don't, it's not, I, I love, I grew up with a lot of white people that were very, very nurturing and very good to me. There was not, it wasn't like, it's not, it's not a matter of, you know, what the, it's just more of what I gravitated towards and what were the cultural things that I, I you know, took with me and, and, and still have with me today. I would say a lot of the stuff that I, the only thing that I don't have from my Puerto Rican friends is that I, I still can't dance salsa. So good. I, you either. I, I can't either, bro. That shit is so complicated I in my feet. I, still, I can never do that shit. Yeah, still. No matter what, I still try to keep that shit hip hop and shit. That shit is like fast, fast. I just, I just head bob. That's all I did. I just head bob because I, I can't. Trying to do breakdancing moves and shit. I'd, I'd rather do some breakdancing, hey. but see, now I'm forty five. I'm, I'm, I'm forty four, and um, uh. I'm trying to figure it out because I'm not 45. I refuse to be 45. <laughs> Fuck that number for the rest of my life. Shit, I'm what, just saying. When I woke up like one morning, I was like changing for work and I was like, how fucking old am I? Because she was still awake. And we were both like tripping on how old yeah, we, we were. Forgot how old we, we forgot were. how old we were. I was like, am I 39? 40? <laughs> Am I 37? I was like, fuck, Girl, like I just woke up tripping, like, year? how the fucking old am I? Yo, in September I'll be I'll be 46. Oh shit. Virgo or what? Yeah. No, Libra. Oh, but yeah. you know what? I'm gonna tell you, man, I don't like age obviously it's just but a number. Yeah. But because it's really how you feel. Cause I feel younger than I felt when I was twenty five, to be honest. Like my kids make me feel young and doing stand-up comedy be, like i said i gotta thank you guys again because the fire has been lit and i'm gonna start podcasting again and and podcasting makes me feel young because even just being able to talk and actually having people listen to what you say even even just that small little even if it's five people who listen yeah. you know what i mean yeah, it's yeah. just there's somebody out there 
listening and that's really fucking cool when we first started i'd be telling her like damn we only got like five <laughs> listens on this episode and we, it was like only their maybe like first, first couple yeah, yeah first month and i was just like all about the numbers and i'm like and I, I had to be like, chill. Yeah, like not, people are people, listening. She was like, nobody knows us. No, yeah, yeah, like we came, like, like we didn't do anything yeah. else before this. Like this is just starting out. Like of course it's only going to be five people, but you know. And I was like, I don't give a damn about the numbers. I just like doing it. Yeah, we actually do <laughs> love doing this shit every week. Just meeting up. Because the thing about podcasting is, man, this especially like it's like like when I'm in my car and I'm alone, right? Listening to people just have a nice conversation about cool shit and even if it's stuff that i'm thinking about and you talk and now these people are talking about it and i don't necessarily have to talk i can just be a fly on the wall and listen that shit is cool man yeah. i love it i love yeah. the art form of podcast it's it's just a cool thing that be and then like as far as pod, like, 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 like this, we just, i get to meet two new really cool new people you know what i mean and just we just connect and when would this have ever happened before you know it's but even in quarantine probably would have come to that place and we would have hung out and we would have smoked yeah. and that would have been great too. Yeah. But this is a weird different connection that like we're almost forced to like look at each other in the face. We're forced <laughs> to actually, you know, connect on a level where it was weird. Like when we did, when I did my first stand up comedy show like this, it was weird because like it was just me and the other dude and I was the host of the show and this dude was like telling his jokes to the camera and I'm just like looking at him. I'm like, I, I don't, I want to laugh. <laughs> But it's not funny. <laughs> but it's making me feel uncomfortable that you're like looking straight in my face. Yeah, yeah. like what the fuck? You know? But <laughs> but you get used to it and yeah. like now we're trying to get used to it. And and again, I like I like this conversation we're having and you know what we're doing. Because, you know, what else are we gonna do nowadays? I mean, I, I, I don't I, I got HBO Max, so yeah. there's that. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't just sit and watch T V <laughs> I mean, especially us creative people, we got to stay creative. So I, I love, again, thank you again for reaching out. Oh, no problem, bro. Thank you so much for Come being on our back. podcast. Yeah. So you do a lot of things here. Actor, producer, you've done um, TV the shows. whole like improv thing. You do stand-up comedy. What do you like to do the most? Stay busy. Like, I don't care what it is. As long as I'm doing something creative mm -hmm. and something productive, meaning like, I've had a creative career since I was in 1997. It was my first professional play, oh, right? Nice. And the director of that play, David Barr, told me, he, he sat me down after the play and he was like, Eric, this is your first professional play and I want to tell you that you're a really good actor and I feel like you can work a lot. And the only thing that I'll tell you is that your time is valuable and don't waste it on bullshit, right? And so for me, as long as I feel as if I'm moving forward in my career, whether it be doing stand-up, whether it be producing something, whether it be podcasting, whether any one of those projects, as long as I'm remaining creative and kind of getting these stories out of my head and not <laughs> staying in my head, swirling around and making me crazy, I'm good. I'm good. So, yeah, just staying creative and staying busy is all I care about. I, but what would I like the most? What would I like to do the most? Like, what would I, like, if, if, if they said, Eric, you can only do one thing and we'll pay you all the money to do just this. Yeah. What would that be? At this very moment in my life, cause I know I can always change. Cause yeah. I know when I was younger, it was definitely acting. And now it's a 
kind of a toss up between acting and stand up. Like if I could do stand up and get paid and not have to work, but and just do, like if I could Kevin Hart that shit and like you're like yeah. you know, fifty thousand dollars in a weekend oh, or whatever, yeah, bro. Or, or or even or even like Joe Coy. I mean Joe Coy is he's making six seven figures every weekend on on those big tours. So I mean I don't even need that shit. I'm cool. I'm a simple man, man. I if if I could have a house with a pool table and a, you know one of those new PS fives, I'm good. Yeah. You know, with a Spider Man, I'm I'm not a you know I don't need a lot of shit. I mean, I prefer to be able to put money away for my kids so they, I know they can go to school and do whatever they want. But I I'm simple, man. As long as I got the steady supply of weed and beer, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Hey, that's <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then as far as like stand up comedy, what made you want to get into it? Delirious. I gotta say, like, I started my, I, I started acting in '97. I started improving in '99, and all of it was just to avoid the fear of actually doing stand up because stand up is scary. Because stand up is yourself. Stand up is you, and you're giving yourself your your own perspective and your own opinion on shit. And if people don't like it, and if people don't think it's funny, then they don't like you. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And in a lot of ways, I was afraid of that for a long time in my career as an actor. And until I lost my acting career in that I, I was dropped from my agent, I was dropped from my manager, I really thought my acting career was over, was when I discovered stand-up comedy. And I realized that it was what I've always wanted to do. Because the thing that made me want to be a performer and get on stage in the first place was what we talked about earlier with yeah. Delirious. And, and now I watch it. I can't Now I can't watch Delirious now without, like, being either my 10 year old self and like fully like going back there and just watching it like in amazement or I cry like a bitch. Those are the two things. You have that emotional connection to it. I'm emotional. Yeah. I'm emotional too. I'm emotionally connected. I'm a dad. I'm a dad of daughters. I'm sensitive. I'm, you know, I'm sensitive. I am a sensitive dude. I, I cry for everything. Like shit. I'm, and lately, man, I cry. I'm emotional lately. I've been crying for everything. Everything. Stuck in the house, oh God, God damn it. Ooh, there's no water in here. Just all pissed off, crying. For real? No, like, like I watched. Did you guys watch The Five Bloods yet? Mm-mm. Nah. No, that Netflix? Oh, my God. It's so good. And everybody's talking about Delroy Lindo's uh, performance in it. I like how great it is. Homie plays a Trump supporter. Oh. And you wait, and you sympathize with him. Oh, that's shit. how fucking good an actor he is. Because I couldn't. That's hard. That Super is hard, hard to sympathize right? with somebody who, who, during the film, at the beginning of the film, his character is introduced as a Trump supporter, and it is hard at first. And you realize, like, he justifies it, like in his acting and how he. How is his character arc? And the whole, I mean, Spike does a great job. The movie's a great, you should watch it. Everybody listening to this should watch that movie. It's a great movie. But Del Rolando is incredible. That shit was like, that's the thing. Like when you watch that shit as an actor, you're like, golly, I wish I could do some shit. Yeah. <laughs> you're all practicing yeah. and shit in the restroom. Like, you know, it's like when you, when, I when do you, this when you, like, you know, when you're a basketball player and you watch some shit from LeBron or some, from Michael Jordan, you're like, ah, it's the same shit. It's, it's the same type of thing. You, you almost get lost in him. Man, it's good. But watch that. Two thumbs up for five. the five bloods, for yeah. sure, from Eric Esteban. Go check that shit out, everybody. 
I'm telling you. You need to. I've been watching a lot. All right. First beer of the night is. From Tarantula Hill Brewing Company. It is a collaboration with Virgin Beer Company. It is called Air High Five, and it's a double hazy IPA that is 8.5%. It is brewed with Mosaic and Vic's Secret on the Dry Hop. Ooh, let's try that shit. 8.5? Oh, you're starting dangerous today. All right. Cheers. Episode 99. 99. Oh, that's good. Hmm. Is that orange? You know what it tastes like? Like a really good um fucking pilsner. Is that weird to say like there's like I usually don't like pilsners, but this tastes like a really fucking good pilsner. And I know it's supposed to be a hazy IPA. What's the percentage? 8.5? Yeah. Damn, it doesn't even uh-uh. taste it's that like strong. It's light like a Pilsner. It has like a weediness to it, like a Pilsner, which is really weird for me to associate a, a hazy IPA with. It doesn't have that bitterness, but it's really good. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with it. No, it's just real clean, smooth. I don't really taste on anything the nose, crazy. On the nose, I, was saying I it, smell citrus. I, is that why I said yeah. orange? Almost kind of like drinking a Hefenweizen, maybe. Maybe yeah. not like a Pilsner, maybe more like a Hefenweizen. More like a Hef, exactly. Yeah. No, this is real good. Yeah, it's really good. I like it a lot. Say it's a hazy IPA, probably not, but I, I think it tastes delicious. By look, mm, I it's guess hazy. it's hazy. Yeah, it's hazy. But by taste... Taste is not an IPA. To, not it doesn't IP. Like, I wouldn't... If I was blind tasting it, I wouldn't be like, that's an IPA. No, I wouldn't yeah. either. Uh, out of five mugs. Um, three and a half. I'll say, I'll say three. Okay. Yeah. It's still good. Like, it's still no, good No, I think it's drink. a good clean beer. It's got a good taste. Um, what I say. It's not going to hurt your stomach. No. What I say it is what it's described as. No. No. Do I say it's a really good beer? Absolutely. So go check it out. It's really good. I'm high. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He got too high. He can't talk anymore. <laughs> no, because we, we had, we had, see, we had pineapple. You had pineapple what? Dream. Pineapple you dream. You had pineapple dream, and I had pineapple upside down cake, and we both chose to smoke sativa before so that we wouldn't be sleeping. But see, I smoke indica on the regular, so... This sativa has got me like caffeine. Caffeine. <laughs> He's like, hello. Like, fuck yeah. The other, hello. Yeah, let's go. You guys want to run the marathon? Let's, let's go. Like the other homies on this shit. That, that's all they smoke is indica. They won't fuck with the yeah, sativa. No, see, and you know what it was? My sister was telling me this. Because I have been in a creative rut lately. You know, because every, you know, like I was saying, you know, I didn't know what to say in the mic. You know, I've just been in a creative rut. And she was like, you've been smoking too much indica. And I was like, you know what? You're probably right. I need to switch it up. And I'm and I smoked sativa the past couple of days, and straight up I started re- reworking a script that I hadn't worked on before. And I just because you, you get all, ooh, I'm high on sativa, and I'm good. To, let's let's do some shit. It's like crack, but and, it's weed. Yeah, exactly. Well, sativa is meant to give you like creative vibes when you smoke it, so that's like one yeah. of the like hallmarks. Of and sativa. it was one. Of, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I, that's why I'm like, you know, that's I'm glad we, you chose the team because I'm like, man, I had been, 
I had been avoiding sativas just because I was just like, I just want to be stoned. I just want to be in the couch. You just right? wanted that fucking body high. Yeah. Right. I just want to play video games and only be able to move my fingers high. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, nah, sativa's good, man. And also, it's just good to switch it up every now and again, just because it's a different high and and it's it's good. Yeah, it gives you yeah. something a little. It gives you like mental gymnastics. Like you're not always just stuck. Right. You know, I'm not always zoned out yeah. and stoned, which is good. And I'm sure my wife will appreciate that. <laughs> will She's like, oh, you've been talking to me lately. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow, you're actually connecting with the family. That's good. Like, yeah, like I took like a, like what, a couple months off from smoking. Yeah. And then fucking wow. one night, fucking, or like what, two weeks ago? Yeah, I was just like, "Fuck, I got this joint. Let's smoke that shit." And it's like the funnest time we've had in a while together. <laughs> that is a, okay, and that is one of my number one things that I would say to any non-smokers out there who are thinking about smoking: understand that the first time you get high and that first delicious, wonderful time that you feel that, oh my god, what is this fucking feeling in my body? You can have that every time you take a break from weed. Oh, yeah. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, I should take a break more often. (laughs) But they can't. But then I don't. Yeah, they (laughs) can't. The only time, like, those fools take a break is, like, when they get sick. and they. Yeah. Then they're just like, I'm in bed. (laughs) Bro, I would tell you right now, I I would have a fucking, I'd have the coronavirus. I'd be like, yo, can you fit the bong into the respirator? Do some shit. Or give me a, a... some, a jewel or something. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? Um, that uh, the, that cannabis is a study. I, I think it was in Canada or something that it prevents. It has oh the coronavirus. Some natural, yeah. And I was like, cool. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why we're all like, yeah, no, we're Trump fine. got his hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> I got my my cannabis. Oh my I'm god, good. This dumbass in his hydroxychloroquine. That's I wish about... that shit worked on his ass and gave him a heart attack. Right? Oh, shit, not... Secret Service <laughs> might get your uh, podcast. Get, I don't want to be that. They're gonna get us. Like yesterday, they said he, he, they found a cure for AIDS or some shit. He said oh, that yeah, shit in he a did. Meeting. Yeah, he said. Oh no, he my said god. there's a vaccine or for vaccines? AIDS. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know what? I did I did AIDS educational theater as some of my first theater gigs when I was a kid coming up in theater. And the AIDS virus kind of hit me to what's going on now. Like with this virus. Like you don't fuck around. Yeah. Man, because that shit is your life. Like coming up in the 90s with the AIDS virus, like as much as like I was in my 20s during the AIDS virus, right? So like you want to... That's what, that's also the prime fucking years. Yeah. You know what you, I mean? You wanna that's when you want to hoe around. <laughs> you just want to go around and sow your raw oats. And you had to, you had to stop. You couldn't do that shit mm-hmm. back then because it was, you could die. Mm-hmm. And so like, it the, was the, a like pandemic. my whole, you know, and so this pandemic ain't shit to me. I'm cool. I got Xbox. This ain't nothing. <laughs> I got my Xbox. I got my wife. I got kids. I don't even need shit. Nah, I'm cool. <laughs> I was saying I'm thriving during this quarantine. That's why I don't like to. Bra- that's why I like to complain about shit. Like, there's so many people have a bad situation. Yeah. Yo, you know what's funny about the whole thing is that like this little extra money that Just they like think a is so. Bit. Yeah. The folks that don't want to extend it, right? Yeah. In Congress. Yeah. And they're talking about how 
oh, people won't want to work if you don't give them money. And can you imagine the idea, like our reaction to the money that it's just a little, really went in, went in relatives, in relative terms, that shit is nothing Come compared in, to what most of these cats are making as far as, you know, per week or per year on the government. But, but the idea that it changed our lives in such a way that we can buy the things that we actually want to buy and can be a little frivolous. It's, it, it's kind of, it shows like the disparity in, 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 in what, it, you know what I'm saying? It yeah, kind of, it, 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 it makes me actually like, y'all better pay me for the rest of the year. In fact, because I got to watch my kids because y'all closed their schools. Yep. So you got to give me some more money. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm cool. And it's you better our money the fuck yeah, it is like our- everyone always is always like, oh, they're giving us money. They're gi- it's our money. We that's put all that our money, money that in. we paid into. Yeah, that's we it. did that. They're just giving us yeah. our money. You said like you're saving it for a rainy day. Well, last I checked, the this bitch has been raining for three rainy. months. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> raining coronavirus. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> for real, absolutely. And last I checked, it's still raining, and the raining. Is now it's even more it's torrential downpour, and they, and oh they like want to make us feel guilty for getting a stimulus check. Like, oh, I guess we'll help you peasants out. Like, uh, that's our money. We gave it to you. You're just giving us a little bit back. <laughs> that those people complaining about the government giving us money is the same as like that bitch in France talking about. Oh, let them eat cake. They Absolutely. got no idea. They got no idea what actually goes on. And how it is to live off of twenty dollars an hour. I'm not even saying minimum wage, right? And that's not even minimum wage in Hell some places, no. right? So the idea that you would be, you'd have the audacity to say that these people don't want to work, and you, because you're giving them extra money, they're not going to work anymore. Fuck you. Yeah. It's not you know even I mean? enough like, money to not work anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's straight up. It's not even a not enough money yeah. to work anymore. It's still you still if 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 those money if that money stopped. What would happen to most of us? We'd be in trouble because we wouldn't be able to pay rent, or we wouldn't be able to pay even buy food for 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 groceries. So, the greed in this country is what really is the the worst part about it. All Absolutely, it. they don't give a shit about you at all. They don't give a shit about your well being or whether you're going to survive or not. That's why podcasts, and not even just podcasts, but like people of color in the entertainment industry and people like us that get our point of view out, whether it be on a podcast, whether it be on a video on YouTube, whether it be on Instagram, whatever it is. Like the instant, the internet is the great equalizer, right? Like they've been saying it, right? Racism is not changed. It's just being filmed. That's what Will Smith said, but it's the truth. Yeah. That's the absolute truth. Like all this shit wouldn't be happening if we as a country weren't forced to watch George get strangled. Mm -hmm. Right? Like the whole world was forced because we were all home watching. Because we ain't get shit else to watch, and now oh, everybody's got to watch this. Mm. Like, did you guys watch uh, Dave Chappelle's Eight Forty Six? Yeah. Well, he made that good point about like when when they killed nine cops and the whole thing, and everything was about to come to a head. But then Kobe was scoring his last game, and he was scoring sixty points. So half the country was watching Kobe, and the the half that would have revolted didn't see that shit yeah. until they until it wasn't, you know. Yeah. It, it, it the distractions that we built into this country to help us 
distract from what's really going on is they're you know, gone right now saved us yeah, yeah but they're gone right now exactly and then you have to open your eyes you're actually really seeing this country for what it is right now because there are no distractions and you see it even with the pandemic mm. you know like like what is it like i i i, I think i don't want to like quote numbers because i i don't like like throwing stats out if they're not exactly right yeah, but yeah. something like 20 percent of the of the medical forces I, I think in california as far as the front line response for COVID is filipino and filipino american that and and, true and 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 like so they're in that much more of a risk because they have a risk of bringing it home to the commute to their Filipino communities and the same goes for African Americans and the same goes for Latinos. But in California, Filipinos are, are one of the number ones at risk and, and the numbers are surging right now in California. So, mm -hmm. you know, our, our people are, are on the front lines of this shit. So it's really like, I don't even know, man. I'd like, that's part of why I'm glad you guys asked me to podcast and because I really got to figure stuff out because there's so much shit that I want to say. And even just watching all the shit that has transpired from the past three months and now to comment on it, man, it's crazy, man. Like the world is upside down right now, yeah. you know, and it's, I don't know if it's, it, it, I don't know if it's necessarily scary though, because I've always been an optimist and I feel like we can make so much progress. You know, I, I, I graduated high school in 92 during the riots. Of LA. Yeah, I, I went, I was in high, I was, I was in Chicago, but I was the senior class president of my, my class in, in, in high school. And I had made a speech in graduation and I referred to the riots. And I said that we, as the graduating class of Taft High School, grew, uh, came up for four years in a multicultural environment. And because of that, we will, you know, and the things that we learned and the relationships that we built will make sure that things like that are happening right now in our country won't happen again. I remember the line that I said, yeah, I'm fucking like 18 years old, mm -hmm. but that was, and, 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 and I, I've been thinking about that line that I said in that speech 30 years ago, a lot for the past, the past couple of weeks. And the fact that there were some people in the audience when I was a kid in high school that didn't applaud oh, yeah. because Chicago was still a very racist city. Like my, my, my grammar school, um, the first grammar school I went to, my parents had to pull me out because they protested when Harold Washington visited the church and they wouldn't let him in the church. And they were like, oh, wow. N word, go home with signs and shit. And so my parents were like, well, we have to take your, your brown <laughs> yeah. ass out of this. <laughs> like, For sure. like that was my childhood. Yeah. Right. So I saw all of this stuff and then like to see when Barack Obama was elected, like that changed my whole outlook on everything like i saw what could possibly happen if you really actually did the work and that's what barack obama was that's what barack obama will always be a symbol of is that he's a, he's a, he's our guy he's the guy that showed us we could everybody could do it. yeah and and you know this guy's this guy's an anomaly this guy's the last gasp of 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 racist america and you can see how uh how america is responding to racist america right now you know, the weeks and weeks of protests on the streets. We don't want this shit in our country. Nobody wants this shit in our country. White people, black people, Asian people, the majority of us don't want this shit. Whether there's some stupid people that want to say stupid shit, that's fine. But yeah. the majority of us don't want this shit. 
Nope. So, and we're saying it right now. And in November, we'll say it even louder. Absolutely. That's what I hope. My goodness. Yeah, oh, my God. It's like, I don't on. care. I don't care if you pick. I said it today. I said, they were talking about, would you be mad if you pick VP, whoever? I said, bitch, he could pick Punky Booster. And I would Real. Still. I don't even care. It could Soleil be- Moon Fry. Go ahead and pick that bitch. I don't care. It can oh, fucking pick Alyssa Milano because she's <laughs> right, good on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. As long as we care. get that Cheeto out of office, I'm good. This fucking guy. Did you hear what he said? He said that people only wear masks to show that they don't like him and despite him. Oh, God. Because everything's about him. I said he's correct about the one that I wrote fuck Trump on with a sharpie. <laughs> right? <laughs> you're on that mask. I absolutely do wear to spite you. Yes, you're exactly right. This one that I wrote fuck Trump on is exactly just to spite you. I think you were I mentioning can't... to me earlier, you're all... He's saying that you can tell who are Trump supporters and who aren't by the people that actually wear masks in public and who don't. Yeah, because I went and picked a beer and I'm wearing my mask. I'm walking in and I'm like, all these motherfuckers ain't wearing masks. What the fuck? Where are you going? I just went to go pick up some beer. Motherfuckers, come on. Look, okay. (laughs) I was in a strip mall in LA, okay, yesterday. I had to drop off an Amazon purchase. Cause there's a lot of them, but I had to drop off an Amazon purchase that I was returning. So I was returning it at the UPS store and that was totally cool. Social distancing marking is on the floor. Everybody was cool with masks. Right. And then I called my wife and I said, Hey, you want some boba that was in the strip mall? And that one was no mask, no service. You don't, <laughs> nice. you, you, you yeah. ain't getting in yeah. Asian shit. You, you ain't, I don't, they will, they don't care. You know, especially Asians, they know the culture of wearing masks. Yeah. That's from Asia. I mean, they know, right? And then I looked in the head shop. <laughs> Just looked in. Just looked in, peeked my head in. You're like, none of these fools. And I could smell the arm hair. And I was like, nah, forget it. I ain't going in. I ain't going in. None of y'all wearing masks. And. You're smoking. You're going to cough. <laughs> so much respiratory shit in here. So actually, like in our area, all the clinics are mandatory masks. A lot of people are going to restaurants and bars now, and they're not wearing masks because it hasn't been mandatory again till yesterday. Oh. And I was like, wow. Because the virus is gone, right? Yeah. Oh, my well, God. Well, Trump said it was gone, so they were like, yay. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you know what's really like the tragedy of it all is like how many people would still be alive? Yeah, if, if we would have handled this properly. If he just shut, maybe if he just didn't sh- just shut the fuck up. If he didn't say anything, just let the scientists handle it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's for sure what a, an actual president would a real do. president probably yeah. would have done. He would have said, don't listen to me. Listen to these guys. Yeah. And do everything that they say so that you stay safe. Mm-hmm. Because they're the experts and they know what to do. That's all that I would do. That's all you it's have to do. It's not a hard job. You just be like, hey, like, I know. Shut the fuck up. You just say a couple of encouraging words as the president. Like, hey, I know we're going through a hard time. I have this doctor here that's going to tell you how to deal with it. That's all you had to say Wait, as president. encouraging words. 
Speaking of that, encouraging words, has he even once given his condolences? No. To any of the oh, 120,000 people who died? He said something vaguely like, uh, I'm sorry for the lives lost. And yeah, then but- Just like one quick little, like, he didn't really mean it. Okay, you know, I'm gonna tell you, Joe Biden him. made me cry when he was talking about it. When 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 that speech he did, when the hundred thousand people, yeah, when, he, when we got to hundred thousand. If you yeah. haven't, if you haven't listened to that speech, and I know you guys have just by the look on your faces, because I can see from your eyes. <laughs> but no, but the people who haven't and are listening to this podcast, you should listen because it, it will inspire you to be like. Because what we need right now, especially in this country, is somebody who's done what Joe Biden's done, and he's lost a lot. You know, yeah. he's. He's been through a lot, and and I think that somebody who could help us go through the losses that we're going through right now, as a country, to bring us back. I think Joe Biden would be the perfect dude, to be honest. Somebody I just to he's the perfect guy for the moment. Just somebody to unify this country instead of trying to oh. divide it at all costs. Oh, too much. It's too, it's, it's exhausting too. Yeah, and it's exhausting. Yeah. Like I'm I'm exhausted. Like being scared of old white guys in Burbank because there's a lot of old white guys in Burbank you know and and it's it's exhausting but at the same time I was thinking about it I was like you know coming up in Chicago when the older white ladies would cross the street when I'd coming down the street walking down with my black friend or even just walking down by myself and they'd cross the street out of fear and now I'm that same old white lady crossing (laughs) the street out of fear when I see like, if I see a white dude in a pickup truck with a Trump sticker, I'm like, oh, God, oh, my God, he's going to shoot up the place. <laughs> right? Oh, my God, that's a crazy person right there. That's a domestic terrorist. Oh, my God. That's like American Taliban. Oh, right? God. Absolutely. So, you know, it's cool. The shoe's on the other foot because now I'm scared of y'all. But I'm not that scared. Yeah. Trust, it's not 1965, mm-hmm. homie. <laughs> you try to hit, I'm gonna hit back. Okay? <laughs> we ain't that model minority no more. Just, just so you know, my hat's crooked. I'm, you know, and I would love to. I would love for folks to call me gangster right. on the internet. Exactly. <laughs> the goal of mine. The goal of mine since the first rap song I ever listened to. Tomorrow, all you see on your social media. He's like that guy's gangster. That motherfucker's gangster. <laughs> Eric well, Esteban? that's great. That's great. I'm glad. Miscellaneous Brown. Yeah, I'm gonna start. Miscellaneous Brown. Miscellaneous Brown is a hashtag. <laughs> Either that, or or I get like three drive-bys at my house. That'd be great too. That's cool. He ain't gay. That's a little bitch. Look at him screaming. Does uh your wife like laugh at your jokes and shit all the time, or she, she just think nah. you cor- corny as no? Well? I, I I already know like when. Like, she laughs, of course. I mean, that's part of the. I th- I, th- I feel like you know my sense of humor is the, probably the only reason I got pussy in college. Anyway. Oh yeah, <laughs> but, like, but um, I think my wife, like, I tell a joke about my wife on stage, and the only like I know if I got a good joke when when I say something to my wife and she says this is exactly her reaction. Like if I say something to her, I'll be like, "Hey, baby, how about this?" And she goes, "Oh, oh my god." That's horrible. <laughs> I know. I've got fire. Yeah. It's gonna yeah, work. My wife is. She, my wife is is a is a Midwestern from Iowa, born and raised, like small town white lady, but she's traveled the world. Like I feel like her her perspective on life is really cool because she has a small town upbringing, but like I said, she's 
been all around the world and traveled because they've had exchange students, you know, throughout it, growing up. So she was able to travel wherever they had to, and she traveled. That's awesome. And I think that's part of it with having a good perspective on life and on this planet is being able to see the whole planet and being able to experience different cultures. Because if I don't care what you are, black, white, brown, you know, purple, whatever the fuck other things that people say, you know, colors. It's about really being able to empathize with other people. And that's why like podcasting and being face to face with folks and being able to really truly feel the energy of somebody is truly the best way to podcast and the best way to interview somebody Mm -hmm. because you really do feel like that energy that, that unspoken energy between the the, the people. Like, it's so weird to even say that because it sounds all that, like, metaphysical, new age bullshit. But you really do feel somebody else's, like, whole vibe and, aura, like, aura. like Right, right. And I, I think, like, in a lot of that stuff, like, there's some, like, you know, that whole phrase, everything in moderation. I think there's some truth to a lot of all of that stuff, yeah. whether it be the metaphysical stuff, the spiritual stuff. Even some of the religious stuff, like I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a religious person, but at the same time, there's truth to everything. You know, there's a little bit of truth, and it, it's when you, when you take it and blow it out of proportion and do this or make make extremes is when yeah, extremes are the worst. <laughs> right. Yeah, I look. I'm as much as I'd like to say I'm a progressive liberal person. Really, at the end of the day, I'm just moderate, man. I just want yeah, everybody to. Live. Can we just chill and drink and smoke some weed and just chill out? Can we Can we please? Like, I'm tired of arguing about shit. Like, if yeah. you want to be gay, be gay. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you want to put on a dress, put on a dress. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know what I mean? It doesn't but, hey, affect if I'm a- you on a personal level. <laughs> yeah, just talk. Let's, can we just talk and connect on a, on a real level rather than our our identities and our personas that we see on the external it just sucks that's what again it's making connections the way we do like this is much better than anything like like how you were saying in the beginning like some some of the filipino american podcasts don't fuck with you because you smoke weed and you drink Mm. i'm like well those are two things those are two of my favorite things yeah so why wouldn't i want to join in on what you guys are doing whether or not I'm judged because, oh, well, oh, oh, now I'm this or now I'm that. Motherfuckers knew I was a pothead from jump because I don't, I'm real. I'm going to share <laughs> yeah, everything you with you. I'm, I'm not, no. I'm not, you know, this is not, this is me. I share that shit. Hey, daddy, are you going to smoke now? I'm like, yeah, daddy's going to smoke on your room. I don't hide it from anybody. Yeah. Uh, what, because like when you hide shit or you try to control shit, whether any of it, like you lose it because there's no, you can't control shit no matter what you try to do. Yeah, That's the, if there's one thing I learned about all this planning shit for my career and where I was supposed to be at this age and where I was supposed to be at that age. You can't plan that shit. You don't know. Don't you don't know. know. You know, you just, you just want to, it's such a journey and there's no destination to where you got to be. But that's why, like when you ask me like, where, what do I want to do? What's my favorite thing? It's really just to keep moving, keep, moving forward and keep like, you know, there aren't people like us doing what we do. So the more like you're on your 99th episode now, that's fucking awesome. Right. The more we do it, the more our voice is out there and then it's out there. It's out there in the internet and it's there forever. And, and it's like, like, I remember when I was doing my podcast and, and folks 
there were folks who, who I felt were worthy of sharing their story and they weren't. And I was like, look, this is like those old acting books, you know, where they would chronicle like Charlton Heston or Marlon Brando, oh, how he yes. was in the acting class or how he came up as an actor or whatever the fuck else. These are ours. This is ours. Somebody hopefully 10 years, 20 years from now is going to find these weird fucking podcasts on some weird podcast. Website. And they're going to be like, vintage and podcast. And, and they were like, holy shit, there's John John Briones, who's now this huge Filipino movie star. Yeah. But this is right when he was just doing some TV stuff or whatever. Yeah. You never know. You really don't because these, these little, like, these podcasts that we plant are like little seeds. And you really don't ever know at the end of the day, two years from now, five years from now, what happens to the people that are on these podcasts. And then you're like, oh shit. There's this, like I did this episode of Mini Pacquiao with Dynamo the Magician. I'm not uh, sure yeah, if you... Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, saw, I checked that. So that shit tripped me out because I didn't know who the fuck Dynamo was. I'm like, who's this British dude at, at Manny Pacquiao's thing? I'm like, let's do a video with him. Oh shit, cool, he's a magician. And then I just put the video out. I didn't know who the fuck this dude was. <laughs> no, but I'm being real. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't. I was ignorant, right? And then I'm like, wow, how, how come this got so many views? <laughs> Right, and it's because, <laughs> but it's because this dude's fucking famous yeah. in Europe, yeah. and he's famous in you know he's world famous to be honest. I didn't, but he wasn't famous to me. I didn't know who he yeah. was, so it, that was part of the reason why I was so real with him because I didn't know who he was. Right. But I, I, but that was another lesson for me coming up is like I don't care who you are. You're, you know you're what I mean? Person. You're a person. Whether it's a podcast that talks about weed and beer or a podcast that strictly talks about all oh, the movement of filipino americans and progress and staying political and you know being correct what cool whatever you guys want to do that's great because all of our voices are needed because there isn't enough of our voice so who cares yeah. let's not we could we we could fight and we could argue but it's better to just let each other each other do what voice. we do yeah. and that's it it's cool and if you don't want to fuck with me, then great, don't. cool. <laughs> then y'all miss out. I don't want to fuck with y'all either. Y'all. <laughs> right? You know, because there's there's so many organizations and so many folks, and I've done I've done a lot of work within the Filipino American community, and even just in the Chicago theater community, where I was mostly in minority theaters. I don't care who's in charge. You know what I mean? I'm just here to contribute, and that's kind of how I am with everything, because. I already know what I got. Been doing this shit for 20 years. You know, been here since 97 doing professional plays, doing stand-up comedy now for like four and a half years. I know what I got. I'm confident enough to know that whatever happens to me, I'm living the life that I want to live. That's like the, li the life that I, I, I wanted to live when I was 21 and I had planned to live, or you had told me then that I would be living in Burbank, California and podcasting with some of the coolest Asian American actors and, and, and other cool ass fuckers who want to podcast with me and smoke weed with me on a podcast. <laughs> and no, but for real, like, like if you would have told me that when I was 20, 25, you, I would have said, that's a dream come true. That's cool. I get to, I get to talk, I get to talk shit on stage and I get to talk shit down the mic and I get to do what I do and people hear my story. Dude, come on. That's, that. That's it. That's all you want. That's all you, if you want more than that as an artist, it's going to be very hard for you yeah. because 
you know, all the other stuff is so arbitrary and you don't really know, you know, one video could go viral and then you're where you want to be, you know, you know, whatever you want to be. But, and then you realize where, where that is, is not necessarily where you want to be. So you just, it's being an artist is really just about that. And if you get, if you're able to do this, you got an outlet to be able to do this stuff. It's all good. All right, second beer of the night is... From Evans Brewing Company. It's called Hef Leopard. It is a classic Hefenweizen that is 5.1%. And it says that it is an unfiltered Bavarian-style Hefenweizen brewed with a hint of orange peel and coriander. Yeah, let's try it. I haven't had a Hefenweizen in forever. Yeah, I'm excited. Getting those orange pills or oh, yeah. whatever you want. Do you like remember like Hefenweizen being the shit when we first started drinking? Yeah, it was like. But, uh, oh, oh, Hefenweizen pyramid. The pyramid. Pyramid. Oh pyramid man. Was the shit. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, the Adam, pyramid Hefenweizen. BJ's. Yeah. All right, let's taste this Cheers. shit. That's a good hep. Oh, I like it. That's a good hep. You know why? Because it has that that the Belgian taste. Mm. I like it. And it's light, right? Mm-hmm. But it's really flavorful. I like Probably it. Probably the best Hefenweizen I've had. Probably, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, you guys got it with this one. Shit. Yeah, thank you, Evans Evans Brewing Company. You guys, yeah, if you like Hefenweizens, I definitely say go pick this one up. Because it is the classic Hefenweizen yeah, and it's flavor. it's so good. That and you really remember. I know they said Bavarian, but it makes me think of Belgian style beers, so it's really a, good. A little bit Belgian e. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. They said it's Bavarian, mm-hmm. which I I'm not an expert on Bavarian beers. I'm only an expert on Bavarian cream. <laughs> but this reminds me of Belgian style beers. How many mugs? I'll say. Oh shit! Fuck. This is good though. I'll say for three and a half. I'll okay. I'll say. Four. This is a really good Hefenweizen. I think this is way better than like a pyramid or a fucking blue moon. Or oh yeah, a, blue moons were uh, this shit too, I, right? I never really liked blue moon like that. I know a lot of people did. I drank it, don't get me wrong, because I will drink almost anything. Yeah, I will too. <laughs> when you go back to Chicago, do they just get so hype over you like when you go out there? Bro, I've only been back there. I've been, I was there in October, the last time I was back there. And I got to tell you that it was the first time I was back since I started doing stand-up comedy. It was like, I wanted to film my, or even just record my first. And I, that was, that's the last episode that I uploaded from Crazy Funny Asians was the performance from that show. And I'll tell you, man, like, I don't know that there'll ever be a show that means more to me. Like ever. That's dope. Ever. Because, like I said it at the end of the of the special, right? My boy Rembrandt Sibilis, the guy who kind of put me on my first show here in LA and kind of put me on the track towards true the true craft, right? The true craft of stand up comedy. He passed away, and the day that he passed away, we were talking about doing a show in Chicago, and I promised him that I would do that, yeah. and he died the next day, and so. Three years later, I'm able to do that show. And I said that at the end, it was like my promise to him and I was able to fulfill that promise and I was able to kill it and we sold out the show. 
And it was kind of a trip because people were like buying my t-shirt and shit. It was a, oh, it was a trip. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. It was a trip, you know, like, and like people from college and like homies from college to asking me, you know, I work for UIC and I work for the UIC pavilion. Can we do this? It's 1500 seats. We should do this. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I was taken aback by the response in that I was just so humbled and just so happy and pleased by the response that like all the shit that I've been doing online, the stuff that I post, the podcast, the, the videos, all that, it was worth it. It worked. Yeah. It actually right. worked. It was, it's, or it, I shouldn't even say it worked in past tense. It's working. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like when one of the, um, I, I wish I could remember her name, but I smoke way too much pot. Um, this girl came, came up to me after the show and she's like, I came because I heard on the podcast that you were going to be in town and I wanted to see your show and you fucking killed it. And I was just, I almost started crying oh, because of how man, touched I was. And she's like, I'm a student in Columbia. I'm a theater student. I'm the only Filipino in the theater program. I, I appreciate your, I'm like, and I was just like, I can't, you got to yeah. stop before I start crying. Because you're going to make me cry because just, I was so touched by all of it. Cause it was like, a, like I said, it's, a, it was a dream. It was a dream. And if I can do that every time I go home to Chicago and I know it won't be that way. I'm realistic. I know yeah. it'll probably be bigger every time and it'll get <laughs> even better every time and I get paid more money so they can get better and I'll yeah. be able to have better shopping spree. Cause the, no, look, I went to Jordan. Nike town more in Chicago the day after the show. Right. And the Nike town had a Virgil Abloh extension next door to Nike town, Chicago. Uh -huh. They had a Virgil Abloh like art extension uh -huh. with shoes that were made from recycled material by students in Chicago. Oh. And they had my size in the color that I wanted in the colorway. And I fucking put those bitches on right away after I bought them. And I walked the streets of my hometown and I, probably cried four times <laughs> tears of joy yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. you know what i mean like there's nothing like and i used the money that i bought that i made from the show to buy those shoes and i walked my i i if you look on my instagram you see this picture of me in front of the chicago bean i asked somebody to take that picture and i had to like wipe tears from my eyes because it was one of those weird like like i'm home and I'm actually doing it and I'm actually like people actually responded and responded well to what I was doing. And I'm actually making progress yeah. in this thing that I've been dreaming about my whole life. And now it's actually working. It's a trip, you know, yeah, it's still a trip. It's, yeah. I, even when I think back on it, when I listen to the podcast of my performance, um, which anybody can do, you can go on crazy funny Asians and listen to go back to where you came from. That's my podcast which is the album, my comedy album. It's only 30 minutes. So go ahead and listen to this real quick. And See, it's that's the really funny. Do, but... So you really need to listen to it. It's funny. It's but... got some interesting points. So please check it out. No, but, but, but even when I listen to it, it just, I'm, I, I always kind of pinch myself, you know, cause I was, when I listened to it, cause now I wanted to have it as a audio form first. Like I didn't want to have like a long special first because I didn't have the production capability. I didn't want to just put something out just to put something out. But the audio I knew I could get. And also it reminded me of when I was a kid, right? When I was listening to Eddie Murphy and on yeah, the headphones. headphones. <laughs> and so every time I listen to it on my headphones or, you know, whenever I listen to the my own album now on my headphones, 
it's still a trip to me because I still have to kind of pinch myself that I was like, wait, this is me. Yeah. And I'm listening to my own self now oh, yeah. when I used to be listening to Eddie Murphy the same way. And it's still a trip to me. And I'm, and I'm all, I, I hope that I keep it to stay humble because I don't ever want to forget where you came from. I just, it's <laughs> like, and, and you, you hate the thing. I, I don't want to like jinx shit either. Like and say, oh, well, when I'm big or when I'm this or when I'm that, I'm happy where I'm at. And if you can be that way as an artist, there's really no other goal that you can have than being happy right now in the moment that you're in. And, you know, the next moment, every stage, whether it's good or bad, just deal with it. And, you know, that's life, man. That's how you got to now with the quarantine. And just like I worry about not, you know, running into a no mask dude or, you know, some stupid ass. And then you're like, oh, God, I got to fuck with this now. And then so the I more time you're out, the like higher the risk is, and yeah. Girl, no, but my dad, like at first, I was so worried because my dad's diabetic, oh, right? Yeah, so at first, yeah. I was so worried. He's like, "Well, can you take me grocery then if you don't trust me?" I'm like, "Why? Well, <laughs> it's not that I don't trust you, Dad. I just want you to be safe, right? You know." And I've got, I'd rather just buy groceries for you because I'm not diabetic. So if I get it, you know, it's a better chance of me getting better. over it yeah. than you. You're seventy. You're seventy three years old, and you're diabetic. It's fucked up. Yeah. Right. But then I saw this dude, and you know how Filipino dads are, man. They come prepared. Like homie was in. He even had a yellow windbreaker, so it looked like one of the <laughs> hazmat like suits. Hazmat suit, yeah. <laughs> and then he had he had one of them plastic facial masks. Oh, oh the facials, yeah. Like the the clear ones yeah. that go over your hat. Oh, and then man. he had two masks on and a handkerchief. <laughs> And I was like, I forgot my dad was a germaphobe. You forgot so he was just part of like, the CDC. This is like, and then I, how I said my, I'm thriving in quarantine. Yeah. Yo, my dad's thriving too because homie straight up, he's like, oh, you see, you said that I wouldn't need the hazmat. <laughs> now I have it. <laughs> oh, shit, that's great. Yeah, yeah, but he had the hazmat. He's straight up like yellow windbreaker. Even had like like a, a yellow pant to match. Like he was GQ about it too. Like, I'm, I'm, I, that's where I learned how to dress. Like everybody always talks about how like I wear Jordans and I always dress real nice. That's from my dad. And see, like my dad, even he's styling even during quarantine. Yeah, he's got to color so, coordinate that. I'm saying he's coordinating that shit. Like 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 uh, Witherspoon. That uh, what's his name? John Witherspoon. Oh hell yeah! And Boomerang yeah, yeah. coordinate. That's my favorite. Yo. Can I tell you that this dude, okay, I love my friends, okay, but there's this one Filipino cat, like when all the political stuff started popping off and all the different companies started repping and saying Black Lives Matter, whatever else. So I wear a lot of Supreme, right? And this cat texted me at 7.30 in the morning to tell me that he didn't like Supreme's, you know, response to the protests, they thought he sh- they should have come out stronger on the protests, and so I should stop wearing Supreme <laughs> at seven thirty in the morning. Like, he wanted to text not, this shit. Can you to fucking you. text me at seven thirty in the morning. That was the first. And so time. I responded, "Good morning." Good morning. I haven't had my coffee yet. <laughs> my Supreme was gifted to me. By people who work for Supreme. Leave me alone. <laughs>
Like I get it. Everybody wants to be woke and everybody wants to be like, but each person has their own journey on that shit. So like, don't be aggressive about that shit. I, 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 I don't know if I'm going to say that on my podcast because I know people will come at me. But that's fine. I'm going to say it on your podcast so people can come at you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, 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 no. But real, come at me. It's fine. At Miscellaneous Brown. It's Instagram. It's stupid to try and tell people how to enlighten themselves. Yeah. Because each person has their own personal journey. True. So. There's a lot of people out there that are just fake ass woke. Uh, fake ass woke and they're like the oh, performative yeah, bullshit uh-huh. <laughs> i'm like shut the fuck up you don't even know what's going on <laughs> right like it's so much performative stuff because it's what you're supposed to post online yeah. or it's the yeah. hashtag that's trending mm-hmm. i get that but either way whether it's the bullshit performative stuff or it's you telling me that i'm not doing enough or i'm or i'm doing too much or i'm whatever let everybody have their own journey on this shit because this is a new thing. I, I really feel this because I've been studying political science and race relations since college. This is what I majored in. And it's so different today. When you think about the idea that it's not just black folks protesting, it's not just white folks protesting for what they want. It's not it's just not Latinos. It's everybody. It's not just the USA. It's all around the world. It's the whole world. Yeah, you see that shit? It's the whole world. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, it's... Like I say, it's like there's such a shitty time, like with the pandemic and Trump and the whole thing. But then it's also such a glorious time to be alive. Like we're living through history right now. Yeah. You know, it's pretty... For sure, It's kind of cool. And, you know, I hope that this this isn't just another, you know, in 20 years from now, we're talking about this the time same and then, shit again yeah right right i hope that it's not but mm-hmm. i really do feel like it's a little bit different this time and i think there will be some substantial changes that happen after this and i i'm really hopeful about the substantial changes because i'm really hopeful in this uh younger generation that we have gen z uh, they are really good about being sensitive to towards other race a lot of them there's still the weird racist kids that like fucking do fucked up tiktoks but a lot of the like gen z's i know are really like sensitive to issues that involve everyone so i think they're really stepping up to change the world yeah i see that too like most of the younger generation like my little cousins yeah they're like really in the shit they're into it and they're informative and they know a lot more about a lot more people than we did not stuck in their little bubble anymore you know it, well and I, I do feel like again the internet is the great equalizer you know I, I i grew up in college and we were just talking about hey did you you know that you can go on the computer and chat with people in australia and I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck you want to do that shit <laughs> that shit's boring i'm about to listen to the new wu-tang album <laughs> pen pal shit Smoke this joint. Yeah. Fuck, I want to talk to somebody in Australia for an cute. That was that was straight up. Uh, that was literally my monologue in yeah. in college. And then I graduated college and realized that. You know, I mean, obviously the internet grew. I mean, I graduated college in '96, so. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm old. <laughs> okay, ten years old. Yeah. I'm not, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm. No, I'm ten years older than that decade. That's yeah. a lot. That's, yeah, it's substantial. 
No, but I mean, I'm lucky, man. I grew up in Chicago in the 90s. So all that shit that y'all watched on The Last Dance, oh, I lived that. That's dope. Fucking Jordan. Hell yeah. Yeah. I live. Pippin. Okay. Fucking nah, Rockin. I'm going to brag. Tell the story. And I have never told this story. All right. Even on my podcast. Because I've never had a reason to until The Last Dance. Because we talk about The Last Dance. Yeah, yeah. I brought up that. Okay. So I used to go to a bar called Crowbar in Chicago in college. I used to go to every Friday and every Saturday. I used to go to other clubs during the week, but I used to go to Crowbar every Friday and Saturday, right? Because DJ Psycho Bitch would spin every Friday and that's every a real, That's a real DJ name? Why DJ Psycho Bitch. Really big lesbian DJ. Nice. Badass. She had shaved sides of her head before. Before that like, before shit everybody was uh, popular, shaved right? the sides of her head. She was like the first. Yeah. Probably like the first one. Okay, and she was badass DJ. She would play awesome music. I love to dance. And my homie at the time was really hooked up with all the people at the door and everybody, so I could just walk right in. And because of that, Dennis Rodman would also party because everybody oh, in Chicago who was who knew where to party would party at Crowbar because DJ Psychobish was the hot DJ at the time, oh, right? And so Dennis Rodman, I partied with Dennis Rodman probably like a hand, probably like five times during those years of the 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 the, the last three three peat. Yeah, yeah. So, like, and then they did uh, uh, NBC nightly news expose on Dennis Rodman's party life. Yeah. And where did they shoot that shit? At the crowbar. Yep. So, and probably if you were to Google the the expose, maybe I don't even know if it's online or anything, but you probably see my hand. <laughs> <laughs> one of the shots. Just the hand, though. Yeah, just the hand. Just like, the hand, though. Hand yeah. hey! <laughs> no, but that was I. I remember I I, I remember um, partying with him a couple times where. I got behind the rope where he was dancing because he he would he was surrounded by girls right he was all surrounded by a bunch of really like beautiful girls okay. dancing around him yeah. and then it was just him and then there was a rope and then there was a bar and then his homies and friends were by the bar and then the girls were all dancing around him and so then I got to go behind the rope because of my homie who was hooked up with club and so I got the you know, party with Dennis Rodman and his homies. And then once the girls kind of separated a little bit, I kind of just like shimmied my dance way to <laughs> Dennis Rodman. And I just said, hey, man, I just want to thank you for what you brought to my city. And I shook his hand and his hand was like this. Like, <laughs> oh, like enveloped my hand like a, I don't like a hurricane or something. Like a, like a, like I don't even, even like one pretty, of those. pretty princess. Like it was an octopus. <laughs> and he was trying to eat my hand. It was this huge fucking hand. But I'll always remember it. Like I got the party with Dennis Rodman in the 90s after the second three peats. Nice. So like, like my Chicago. A, yeah. yeah. If you want to party blessed. with anybody, that's the motherfucker you want to party yeah. with. That's the one. Yeah. No, but I'd have traded all of it to trade to party with Jordan. Oh, hell yeah. Fuck. I mean, Jordan's still my hero forever. My the first joke I ever wrote was centered around Jordan. If you guys you guys heard the the, the special, so you know. Yeah. But yeah. I'll say for she... your audience, like I wear Jordans every time I do stand up because Jordans are only sneakers that make my dick feel bigger. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. It's real. 
It feels bigger. <laughs> My dick is still small as fuck, but when I wear Jordans, feels bigger. But shit, when I bought the what bread, the elevens. <laughs> Ooh, I woke up early as fuck, waiting for that shit. And I was like, I always wanted these motherfuckers. Yeah, and then when you put them on, how did your dick feel? I was just about to ask you that. (laughs) Huge as fuck. And then I was scared to wear them outside. Like, I was supposed to wear them during Christmas. And I was like, nah, I can't fuck these up. That's the second part of the joke. It's like, because, like, when you feel like you have a big dick, and you're wearing Jordans, you also walk like you have a big dick because you're scared you're going to mess up the Jordans. <laughs> so you're walking like, oh, oh my God. Oh, this is weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, fuck. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Thank you for helping me write the second half of that joke. I've never even Yay! thought of that. And now, that was there good. you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's true, though. It's kind of, that's kind of true. You don't, when you have new Jordans on, you walk as if you yeah, walk gingerly, yeah. <laughs> as like, if you're scared. You, you know your big dick around your pants. You, might, yeah. you know, it might, you might, yeah, you might, you might get hard and put somebody's eye out. You know. Exactly. <laughs> sorry, babe. Sorry, babe. Oh, oh, sorry. Watch I'm out. sorry watch about out. that. I didn't mean big to. Big dick coming through. You just real pretty. Big dick coming popped, through. I'm sorry, I popped you in the eye right now. I'm sorry about that. Excuse me, let me put that back in there. Oh, you in the backyard with all your cousins wearing all Jordans? You all fucking think you got big dicks? <laughs> Everyone's walking around all like, oh no, sorry, right. sorry but, about that, sir. But the problem is, we all have, you know, average size penises. <laughs> but Tito Chito got the, the black pussy. Well, yeah. no, Tito Chito. Tito Chito, he's, Tito Chito's hung like a horse. He's strong. Like, you guys know Tito Chito's fictional, right? Uh, he's no. not real. I'm on no. Yeah. He doesn't exist. But, uh, that's awesome. I made him up. He's it like sounds Minipacio. like a real uncle, though. But <laughs> I'm going to shoot a video of Tito Chito's sexual escapades, and I'm going to put myself in costume. Oh. That's oh, a little tidbit. I'm going to do that But soon. he sounds like a I, real Filipino uncle. That's like every <laughs> Filipino like, uncle, yeah. dude. Everyone has one. But it is. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's why that's... That's that's what he is. He's everybody's Filipino uncle. Yeah. Because everybody's Filipino uncle is pretty much a horny dude who talks about <laughs> how much pussy you're going to get or then, how much pussy he's gotten. Absolutely. That's, and they were like, those are the subjects and we're always that like, you talk about. He ain't getting and no also, pussy. And also, let's play Mahjong. <laughs> uh, Do you know how to play that? <laughs> dude, I got an uncle who's like always be like, you see this one? I massaged her last night. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then and then like it yeah, wasn't molestation, but like when you were growing up in puberty, they'd be like, Oh, let me see your balls. Let's see how big it is now. <laughs> they used to say, Oh, that was like your bird fly yet? You're like, what the Yeah, is it big now? Did you get it? Is it hard? They used to do that. And I didn't feel uncomfortable. It wasn't like priestly or anything like that. It was just that's just what like, Titos do. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. It was like you did bless your Lola and then <laughs> yeah, was, would grab your nuts. <laughs> I used to tell her that like it was my great grandpa, my grandpa, and two of my uncles. They picked me up from like preschool and they just put me in my uh like grandma's room and shit. And they're all out there watching porn. I could hear that shit. I knew what the fuck that was. <laughs> when we first started dating, uh, I came back to your house and your uncle was watching porn 
in the living room. Yeah, with the surround sound and everything, <laughs> like nothing. Else. I was just on HBO watching that shit. It wow. was soft, it was softcore. It was softcore. Oh, Cinemax. Yeah, yeah Cinemax. Softcore porn. Oh, so it, was just, it was just like titties. It wasn't yeah, like yeah, yeah. It wasn't like hard part, yeah. But it was just a little shocking <laughs> to walk oh, yeah. in the house and you're like, I was like, you just visiting? Oh, what okay. the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you just over just <laughs> like my wait, mom, my, my grandma my just come. wait. That wasn't his house. No, you know. he just came over to my house just watching TV and my mom and my grandma and, or one of them <laughs> cooking yeah. or some shit and we just and walked in. Like, like, hey, how are shit, you? Man. Yeah. <laughs> That That's some Filipino Tito shit <laughs> to come to your house <laughs> and, and watch put porn. on some porn. <laughs> that is some Filipino Tito shit, like, for real. Like, I can't think of any other human being that would do some shit like that other than Filipino Titos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I wouldn't do that. I'm an uncle. I'm a Filipino Tito, too. But... I mean, like, I'm, that's, like, I, old school... Filipino that's people. old school like they're, they're <laughs> yeah like like man wow that's amazing they're like what that's <laughs> how old were you when he watched porn on the tv oh that was oh god <coughs> oh probably like oh wait when you <coughs> probably like kindergarten or first grade Wow. It's because we see all my uncles did was sing karaoke my great-grandpa just came back from the philippines or came to visit and shit and then those folks Well, were... he was showing him what was possible in America. <laughs> look, look at this. <laughs> well, you see, America. Oh, this is why look we at live that. here. That's why we're here. All right. Next beer of the night is... From Decadent Ales. It is apple crumb cake. It is a double IPA with apple puree and cinnamon. It is... 8.6%. It also says that it's brewed with mosaic and apple puree and cinnamon. I can't really smell it. You might smell like cinnamon. I get like I a guess? faint... I get a faint apple smell. Okay, like apple cinnamon. That's what... Alright. Cheers! Cheers! Episode 99! 99! Okay. Okay. You do taste the cinnamon. Oh yeah, yep. like right off the bat. Apple but, crumb cake? I don't know about that. I get a lot of cinnamon. I'm, uh, I'm strong, wishing strong cinnamon. Yeah, I'm wishing I would get more apple. Yeah, like, like in, apple cider. The forefront, it's um uh cinnamon, mm-hmm. like all of it. There's no yeah. there's a uh, minimal apple if they did put that in there. Right? I don't really taste the apple. A hell of a lot of cinnamon, though. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I do like this. It's refreshing. It does not taste like an 8.6. It doesn't taste like it's strong. Um, So that could be a bit of a sneaker upper. Mm -hmm. But I'm not tasting apple. I'm not really tasting cake. But I am definitely tasting cinnamon. Cinnamon all the way through that bitch. Oh, wait. I take back maybe the apple. I taste it after. I want to say cinnamon's the forefront. And after you're not drinking it anymore, you the apple creeps up. But definitely not something you're going to taste right away. And you're Cinnamon not, is the forefront. You're not drinking a four-pack of this. It's maybe one a day. Because it's really? so strong of cinnamon for me. Oh, really? Yeah. I can't drink I love that. cinnamon. I can't drink two beers straight of cinnamon hell no 
That will turn me off. But I don't think it's like spicy or anything. No, it's just like so strong. Okay. But I would appreciate this more if it tasted more like a cider. I know it's an IPA. I know it's an IPA, but I would appreciate it more if it tasted more like a cider. I don't know. It's good. It's it's not the best one we've had from Decadent. Because Decadent usually is like spot on with their fucking flavors. Uh, This one was a little lacking, but it was really good. Out of five mugs, I'm giving that shit maybe a three. I'll give it a three as well. All right. Let's uh, rank our beers for the night. I'll probably go uh, this one, Hef Leopard, and then the Air High Five Double Hazy IPA, and then the Apple Crumb Cake. How about you? I also agree with everything you just said. Hef Leopard by Evans Brewing Company, and my number two would be... Um, the Air High Five Double Hazy IPA from Tarantula Hill Brewing Company in collaboration with Virgin Brewing Company. And then my number three would be from Decadent Ales, Apple Crumb Cake. I liked them all. Um, each of them kind of had their flaw today. Except for our number one. But yeah, no, all of them I'd say pick up. All of them are good. I'd say pick up. Yeah, pick them up. Try them. But I would say all of them had a flaw except for the half leopard. Dude, (laughs) we went to Greece last year with my mom and dad. They were trying to tell them like how great it was in America. And we were just like, no, you guys are living way better. (laughs) Uh, Stay Stay right here. There. You have a great life. <laughs> yeah, there you is. have health care. You have- <laughs> y'all have siesta. Yeah. For fuck's sake. Y'all take a break at 3 p.m. Yeah. Yep. That you have is the needed. long lunch. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And I was looking at my dad Shit. like, you work every day still. Like, what the fuck? They're like, we work every week and we survive very well off no. of our land. And yeah. we're like, cool. Keep it that way, because America is not like that. <laughs> no. 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 I don't know. Like, it's weird, because, like, my parents talk about their immigration process and how they really wanted to come here, and it was truly the land of opportunity and how it's really changed a lot in my lifetime. And it's a shame, but it's unfortunately true that this isn't necessarily the best place to make an opportunity for yourself i mean it is maybe if you want to do entertainment or if you're in in something in that because this that's the only thing we do anymore is that we just the only thing we do well yeah really that really unfortunately it really is and it it still is our number one export Mm -hmm. you know it's what we make the most money off of as far as exporting is when we export our our movies to all over the world and and our our tv uh, products and all the productions so Mm -hmm. I mean, those still, it makes, it's a billion dollar, billions of dollars industry. And that's what, that's why LA still LA, you know? Mm-hmm. And when there was a writer's strike, the the whole city of LA shut, shut down. down. It was like, yeah. you know, how much, how many, how many billions of dollars was lost during the, those months of the writer's strike? Oh my gosh. You know? And it yeah. affected New York as well when they did the writer's strike. So it yeah. wasn't even just LA, it was affecting people in New York. But be, because... America as a whole, all we really are selling now, it's really, reality, all we really manufacture is this. Yeah. Is yeah. Media. Yeah. Media. Entertainment. You know? So 
to me, unless you're really in you're in this field and you want to be in this field, I mean, what other opportunities are there for you? You want to be a teacher? You know, they don't pay you shit. Nothing. Well, you want to be a cop? That's crazy. Yeah, you want to be you know what you what do you want to do? That there are very few. I mean, unless you're a doctor, a lawyer, you but know, some type of businessman. At, at this point, even that, yeah, is yeah. not as lucrative as it used to be. Unless you have a homie in or your family's this or your family's that, or you went to this school, you went to that school. Yeah, it's still hard to break. You know, Again, break through this. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's different. It's definitely different from when our parents immigrated here, yeah. for sure. The opportunity is not like it used to be. But you got to make it. You got to figure it out. You got to make it in America. Yeah, you got to. I mean, I look at it from that standpoint now because I could easily just move back to Chicago, especially now. I could, I could just move back to Chicago and just, you know, do do shows, mm-hmm. you know, and just hang out and chill. Like people still remember me from Mini Pacquiao in Chicago. That's it's a trip, but still a trip to me. But it's cool that they do. Yeah, I could just go home to Chicago, get like a regular cool, chill job and chill. I just can't. I wish I could, but I can't. <laughs> right? My brain won't let me do it. Yeah. My, my heart won't let me do it. My my, like my the- soul won't let me do it. I can't do it. I, I, I just, maybe this, I know there's something ahead or I don't know, but whatever. I can't do it. I won't, I won't do it. That is like Probably the weirdest thing about being like art minded is that if you're not doing your art, if you're just at like some regular job, you fucking hate that shit no matter what it is. You can no try to it like is. it for like a month because I always like my job for like a month. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. You know, I like it. And then I'm like, I hate everything about this. It's so soul sucking. See, and, and that's why I loved my last part-time job was at the gym. So I got to work out before my, my shift. So I'd work out and I'd be just so tired and just chill and my body was just like ready to just like relax. Yeah. So that I didn't, like whatever stupid like, shit yeah. like do you know how much i pay for my membership bitch yes yeah, the same as everybody else care. i don't care yeah. like it was a brainless job so it was mm. fine um uh. but i feel like i'm probably gonna go back to work with my family after this virus is yeah. over and uh, because they own a shop called broom street general store in silver lake uh-huh. And, oh, silver. And it's, and yeah, yeah. No, it, it truly is. I mean, like, yeah. straight up celebrities have been there. It's mm-hmm. been um, noticed on Daily Candy. They had a pop up Harajuku market in fucking Japan. Oh, that's so oh. cute. I mean, like, she's like, my sister Sophie Esteban is fucking, she's really like, as much as I like to say, like, I've been in the game and entertainment for a long time. If y'all met my sister, <laughs> you would not give a shit about me. <laughs> I mean, not for real. She's a brilliant businesswoman. She's doing it. Yeah. Like she's doing it real big. And and she's going to start doing podcasts and video podcasts and doing stuff to putting more media stuff out. And I'm, I'm very happy that she is. And I'm going to help her with that. I'm probably go back and probably help them build because the quarantine has really help a lot of people refocus shit and now they're about they're poised to open up two or three more stores nice um after this quarantine is like and not even after but like during because they're trying to figure out retail business and when's the appropriate time to expand well not even just that but like how retail business goes forward whether or not we have a vaccine because you know we do have to figure that out i Mm -hmm. mean eventually 
we're going to have to start the economy back up, whether we like it or not. Yeah. But we're going to have to figure out how to do it in a safe way. They figured it out in Korea. They figured it out in North Korea. They figured it out yeah, in China. Did. You know, and maybe we have to do collapse and close, close down to shut down a particular specific one. But hopefully, if we set up our businesses and our public spaces in a way where everybody can be safe and main, maintain. I feel like that's all anyone wants is just to be safe about it. You want to be yeah. able to go out and do what you need to do, but be safe about it. And right now, I don't think our government is actually really trying to make us be safe about it. They just want to jumpstart the economy at any cost. No, the, the thing that's scary about this shit is that they are literally, they don't care about the numbers. They don't. They don't. Like, even they're not even going by the CDC like it should have been the number should be decreasing by 14 days and then you yeah. can start opening up. They, they released like, that shit and then they just started yeah. opening up and Everything none of the numbers too. were yeah. going down. No. Yeah. And then like and, then they tried to backtrack a little bit, but it was basically they're trying to appease to all the business owners. All the and all the big companies, the big capital. What people companies. aren't understanding is that when even if like, cause what I'm, I'm learning and, you know, helping my, my sister adjust and build her business back up. Like we have, you know, partitions and, and plastic partitions across the whole workers. So all the yeah, workers yeah, are yeah, never yeah. going to be in direct, contact, you know, yeah. in, engaging in direct contact with, with the public. Yeah. And then the public is never engaging with the workers. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. so there's never, you know, you, but we got to figure all that stuff out and people that takes money yeah. that takes time. And my sister is after three months just now reconfiguring her business to where it can actually thrive, where people can come in on a on a on a designated and basis and still come in. And there's going to be a price increase because of it, because you have oh, to get yeah. your workers PPEs. You have to get the equipment to make your staff safe as well as you safe as well as your customers safe. So I've and heard also a lot of people- guess what if you're if you're treating your workers well. Your workers are living and working in a hazardous condition, and yeah. y'all really need to pay them more than just Way more. whatever you're paying them. Way more, especially when it comes to grocery shop workers and all these people who are there, and they've been there even when when everybody else got a break and got to yeah. go to quarantine. None of them got a break, yeah. like these UPS drivers and these FedEx dudes. All these folks that are still working and doing it all the way throughout, even when it was dangerous, have to yo, pay. You got to pay these people. You got to pay these people a lot mm -hmm. and pay them right because because the fact that we were all react by the unemployment check like that shouldn't be the case right? like though that check should have been like okay cool i'm good now thank i can thank you for the you know, bonus we, yeah it yeah shouldn't thank be you like, for this little oh, thing I to help me out but i make enough week. money yeah. yeah but it's not that way yeah so if we could solve this, we'd be doing more than just podcasting. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, I've heard so like many people complaining about price increases at their favorite restaurants and things like that because, well, everyone wanted to go back out and do what they want to fucking do, but they don't want to pay more to do it. So they have stopped tipping people at restaurants because the restaurants increase their prices because they have to pay for PPEs and protection for their um, workers. That's real and not even that's they stop shit. tipping they're yelling at folks yeah. because it's not fast enough or it's not yeah. this or it's not that you know what this is that you know what you see you see how spoiled 
fucking a lot of these people privileged. are just fucking straight up look like Veruca Salt from right. Willy Wonka yeah. and the Chocolate Factory. Like, I want straight it up, now. Just like, I want it now. Yeah. Just tantrums, and it's Horrible it's disgusting when you see people. an adult throwing a tantrum because they got to wear Absolutely. a mask. Exactly. Yes. Why can't? Why do you feel like your life is more important than anyone else's? I just don't understand that. But you know what trips me out is those dudes that use the argument. Well, I have a doctor's note that says that I, blah, blah. bitch. So what? Is it you the same dude that wanted to bring his puppy dog because you had that whatever? You know the people that have the certificate that say that the dog is their social help. Oh yeah, yeah, anxiety or whatever. Yeah, the but fuck. it's just a it's just Are you a regular crazy? ass dog. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got this little and, and it's and it's like a, a fucking and it's like a hamster, it's like the size <laughs> of a hamster. And the fuck is it gonna do if you go into a seizure? Yeah, nothing. It's yeah. gonna chew your ear. Nothing. It's not gonna do anything. But these these people will go online and buy the certificate and yeah. then feel so entitled to subject their beliefs on you. And it's so selfish. It's just hypocritical. That's all it is. It really is. It's just hypocritical and it's selfish and it's entitlement and it sucks because there's a lot of people like that. And I've always thought this, you know, like the whole, I mean, empathy is such a thing that's lacking in our society. It's like like, so lost on everyone. It's it. it, I mean, y'all people like scream about Jesus and religion and all that. Like, I was an altar boy, right? I, I, I went to Catholic school from first to eighth grade. I heard all the stories. And you know what? The one thing that I learned is the golden rule. You know, treat those treat your the way like you want to be treated. Treat, yeah, like yeah that's, treat yourself. And, and, and even, even, like, even the way Jesus prefaces it in the Bible is like all the other stuff that I'm talking about, doesn't yeah. really mean anything. All the other yeah, commandments don't was mean the anything. Golden this is all rule. you need. Yeah, he said that's no? the golden fucking rule. Treat others like you would want to be treated. But right. nobody fucking like hears that one. They hear like hellfire and brimstone. They hear, I'm gonna judge you, even though you're not supposed to judge anyone because that's only for God. But these are the religious people trying to yeah. tell you you're And you're supposed wrong. to not be gay, yeah. and you're supposed to not be this, and you're supposed to not be that. You're supposed to not do this. You're supposed to not do that. Look, it. all you're supposed to do is mind your fucking business <laughs> and keep business. it pushing. <laughs> and and if you feel as if you are happy and doing right, and the people that you love are happy and doing right, then chill. Stop telling other people yeah. how to do. You're just shit. supposed to be nice. That's the only thing you're supposed to do yeah. is be fucking nice. That's all you. And don't nobody do. want to hear how you how your opinion <laughs> no. of my life. My like life. all you Filipinos who tell me to stop swearing. <laughs> my life, motherfuckers. Fuck you. <laughs> all, all, all I'll say is the Filipinos who tell me to stop swearing, you are making me feel so much like Eddie Murphy. It makes me so good. <laughs> Hell yeah, it makes dude. me feel so, every comment that tells me you swear too much. You shouldn't swear so much. I had one lady send send me an email, which is why I know that uh, um, Filipinos are racist as hell. She's like, "You sound like a black. Oh, <laughs> you no. sound like a Itin." And I was like, I almost wanted to thank her. I was like, "I was thank you." I was sending one of those emails with a thank you with a, the gif with a thank you. Yeah. I was like, "Thank you." 
I oh mean, my god, that's just, the best compliment I've had. I'm saying because I am that I'm the white kid in the in the in the black white supremacist uh, sketch in Dave Chappelle where he was like calling him the N word mm-hmm. and they were listening to rap music and he was like, did he just? Yeah! <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed to say I am a Filipino man, and if I could trade my, I would be black. I, would. I love it. I want to be Eddie Murphy. I want to have. I'm, uh, that's controversial, I'm sure, but it's just, that's just it's real. All Filipino men, really, especially Filipino men who grew up listening to hip hop. A little bit of them. They want to be black. black. No, absolutely. Oh, I know. For sure. Her and her brother say that shit to me all the time. I, I would tell him all the time he's more black than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but that this, like, I have a black friend who's told me that. Like, damn, dude, you're a little bit more militant than I am. Dude. I'm like, well, listen. No, but that's, that's how I came you. up. Like, I get it. I get Eddie it. Eddie Murphy raised me. Like, Martin Short raised me. Like, Bill Cosby, Man. all the other shit, yeah, whatever. But Bill Cosby <laughs> yeah, raised me. At, you know yeah, I mean? at a like, time really his did. stand, at a time in the seventies, his stand up was amazing. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> that was a different. It was a different time. I'm not justifying mm-hmm. any of it oh, at all. No. But, but it was different. It, 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 it ruins. Unfortunately, it ruins a lot of really wonderful childhood memories that I have of it Bill Cosby. It ruins a lot of art because yeah. I know there's the whole argument whether you can um, separate art from the person or not. And you can't. You can't. Because you can't just let it go by. You feel a loss for that loss of art. Oh, yeah. For sure. No, I've, I've dealt with that a lot. Even we even talk about it on our podcast. Just the the idea of our the people that we admire, the people that are kind of our heroes mm-hmm. and kind of what happens to them when reality sets in and how hard that is to deal with some cases. Like, I, I remember, I mean... I, being real, one hundred percent. I when Robin Williams passed, yeah. I, I man, that that was that was a different thing. Like that was hard. He was that was. I mean, he was my hero. And then you're reading these articles about how comedians are prone to this shit, and mm-hmm. then you're like, it, you get depressed and you start thinking about stuff, and you're and it's. But then you like start thinking. It, about it was how a really different. That was a very difficult time. But that that is it's true. Very, a lot of your comedy comes from pain and hurt. And yeah, and then you're always supposed to be on, you know, like you can't ever just be, you know, you can't be sad. You can't you have to fucking turn it on for everyone. There's no just being yourself or having an emotion other than trying to be funny. So well, and and especially especially when you're in a public setting. Yeah, yeah, in a public setting. But 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 even even some I think that was, I think, part of why. Because I think a lot about Robin, right? Because if there's anybody who I would liken my style to, it would be Robin. Because I know that a lot of others didn't really, they prepare a lot. And mm-hmm. they read and they write and they do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like Robin in that I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Until you're up there. Until I'm up there. And I took that style from him because I could sense that from him. The, the improv, because that's where I came from was improv. So... His improv style is very much how I tried to learn how to do stand-up, like by watching him. And so I took a lot from him. So I studied him very much. And when you find out why he was sick yeah, and like the fact that he would have not lost his brain, but he would have lost everything else, 
including and, his voice. Yeah, and he was like, a yeah, man, I, I don't know. Like, if I was in those shoes, I don't know that I'd want to go through that either. Just because right. you literally are living that way and in the moment your whole life. And then now you're forced to now watch yourself not do that, but be cognizant of the whole thing. I, yeah. I don't know that I could do that, man. It's, that's, 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 that's a terrible position to put someone's, a brain like that in if I couldn't yeah. do that. So yeah. yeah, that's, that's why it, I connected so much with that. And it, it, it was, it was really because of that, that I started really doing like, I was like, look, dude, you could fester and be sad about being dropped by an agent or trying to get picked up by another yeah, agent, yeah. whatever else, or you could do what you really want to do because you know, there's only time is so short on this planet. You don't know what the fuck you could get a diagnosis tomorrow. Like Robin had, you, yeah. know, you, just, you don't know. Yeah. And so just live your life and live it to the fullest every moment. Like he did. And so, you know, with six months of therapy and, you know, my friend Rembrandt pushing me to do more stuff on stage here in LA, you know, and now here I am. And you guys are interviewing me on a podcast and it's a trip, but nice. it's, it's still a journey, man. It's, you know, it's always going to be, I, I was struggling the other day with like, shit, I don't, when's this, when's this pandemic going to end? Right. When am I going to be able to perform in front of a live audience again? You know, that shit's a trip. That's a, that's an unanswered question as of right now. We yeah, don't know. We have no idea. Because we have no idea. Yeah, really. And it's it's a trip. And like even even when are we gonna be able to podcast in person again without right. putting my kids at risk? Yeah. Or my exactly. parents at risk because they're you know, you know, it's hard. As much as I wanna be with my friends, I you know, you can't. Yeah. It's hard. You just gotta fucking try to do this, you gotta video call, you gotta try to make No, your it's great and again us- well, Thank you guys you know. again. It this has been such a great we've been we've talked about some cool shit like and, and and, and some deep shit. See what happens when you smoke weed and drink beer. <laughs> See, it's not so bad, huh? Huh, fuckers. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. Hey, is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Shit, man. No, just listen to Crazy Funny Asians. I'll be uploading. What I'm going to do is this, and I wanted to say it on your podcast because you guys were the ones who kind of pulled me back into this art form. Thank you again, so much. Again, out of my, out of my desk. Uh, uh, my my quarantine funk, and I appreciate it Dude, again. I, I knew we like vibe the shit out with you. Like this shit is cool yeah, as fuck. This, this has like, been amazing. I love it. I was like, you made me laugh like before I met you, and I'm like, <laughs> damn, dude. I was telling her, I was like, I'm kind of fucking nervous about this one. We were, we were very nervous. Like we're like, oh, why? No. <laughs> I don't know. It was just like, dude. I was like, he's a fucking professional. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's pretty. Yeah, he's, just, he's funny. He's gonna. <laughs> I was just like, I didn't know what but to yo, we're all, you know, But that's the thing, man. Like, I remember, like, when I first started acting, right? I got to do a scene. My very first scene in acting ever on screen was with Forrest Whitaker. Oh, shit. Right? And I remember, like, being in the scene with him, and he never broke character, right? Through the whole thing, even after the scene was cut, he was he just Still staying like- in character, even when he was just chilling yeah. on his chair. He just stayed focused and stayed, stayed in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Just the same way like Robin and just in the same way, everything. So like I treat that, I I take that lesson with me in every, literally every single interaction that I have, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a Zoom, whether it be on stage, uh, uh, you know, doing stand up, well, karaoke, whatever it is. Like I 
it's an opportunity to perform. It's an opportunity to tell my story when whatever art form that I'm manipulating in that moment, that's, it's just another opportunity. So thank you for giving me another opportunity. I appreciate y'all. We thank you so much for being on our podcast and giving us some of your time. Um, uh, would you like to tell everyone your social medias and where they can follow you at? Just follow me at Instagram because I want those numbers to go up because, you know, that whole Instagram <laughs> influencer thing is good. So just follow me at, at Instagram at Miscellaneous Brown and, and you can probably get everything else you'll need to know about me on there. Hey, want to say ha- happy Father's Day? Thank you. Thank you. Happy and, and Father's happy, Day to you. Thank, and happy potential Father's <laughs> Day. I love no. to you eventually. Okay. No rush. <laughs> no rush at all. <laughs> All right, we're out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for having me again. I appreciate oh, thank y'all. thank you for being And have me here. back again. I'd love to do this again. You know, it'd, it'd be great. Hey. I, it was so much fun. And, and you guys so are much just fun. good vibes. So. Sometimes we'll, yeah, we'll meet After up together. After quarantine, we're going to actually fucking do this in person. Hell yeah, we'll do it in, for real with everybody. Like and for do real it in person one, yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. It'd be great. For sure. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. It was an absolute joy. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. It has been episode 99. Fucking funnest episode, y'all. <laughs> and you can follow us on Instagram at dipsomaniac underscore podcast. Follow us individually at dipsomaniac underscore podcast. Uncle Jake, Tanika, Kirk, Karen, Brent, Julian, and also if you would like to tell us some beer recommendations, maybe tell us a funny story, maybe tell us a funny story about your first time getting high, maybe tell us a funny story about getting drunk, please email us at dipsomaniacpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. Put a fucking beer in your mouth. Peace out. We love you. Thank you. Galanius Brown. We out. Dipsomania. 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 Dipsomania.